0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we're continuing our sermon series, the story this morning. We come to chapter 9, the faith of a foreign woman. And while in the first eight weeks we have been sprinting through Scripture, we actually kind of slow down today. And the, the whole message, the whole communication that we have this morning is just four chapters. And so our goal, our sermon series goal that we've had throughout the last nine weeks and in and over the next 22 is that you would read your Bible, that, that this would be a launching point for us as a congregation to read God's word together. And so today, that is exactly what we're going to do. I want to invite you to take out the Pew Bible in front of you and to turn to Ruth on page 222. And and today, we are going to be going through the entire book of Ruth. It's four chapters. I timed it out. It takes me 12 minutes to read. So if you're silent, the whole sermon, we are over real, real quick. But we also, we want to give you an opportunity to know and to experience what Java and Jesus and what beers and Bibles is like. So when we have these Bible studies in the middle of the week, What we do is we open up the text, just like we're doing this morning. We read along in the text, and then as we're going, we ask questions. And so that is the invite for you today. There are three ways this morning that you're going to be able to ask questions. The first is just like Java and Jesus, you can just shout out your question. You can interrupt me in the middle of the message, and you can shout it out. The next, if if you're not the talkative type if you're kind of nervous about, you know, interrupting, you can write it down on one of those connection cards on the back of the yellow cards. And and when we take the offering, you can put it in the offering. The next is that you can text 248-274-4676. This is a new cell number specifically set up for Holy Cross to receive text messages. Your messages... And then, today, at 2 o'clock, we're going to take every question that we received via yellow slip, every question that we were texted, and we're going to go on Facebook Live at 2, and we're going to talk about those questions. And if you can't watch at 2, we're going to save the video so that you can watch any time this week. If you ask a question, we want to make sure that your question is answered. And today we are, we're talking about the faith of a foreign woman. Ruth is the story of how God's work plays out in the lives of real people with real struggles. And the amazing thing about Ruth is that there's nothing amazing. There are no angels in Ruth. There are no miracles in Ruth. There's no divine intervention in Ruth. God doesn't step into the situation to fix all of the problems. Instead, there's just real life. There's suffering. There's sacrifice. And there's deliverance, all pointing us to our Savior, Jesus. So we're going to dive into the text, page 222 in your pew Bible. Chapter 1, verse 1. Interrupt me, when you want to. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. They took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about 10 years and both Malon and Chilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. And immediately in the first five verses of Ruth, We see pain and suffering and brokenness. We see tragedy that that they were fleeing from a famine. They were just looking for food, looking to survive. And and maybe economic downturns here have, have caused us to go from a place that we are relatively comfortable to go to another place and seek another opportunity, to go to a foreign land and and struggle with foreign things. And while they're there, Naomi's husband dies. The sons get married, but but even the sons die. And so in verse 6, she arose, Naomi, with her daughters-in-law, to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and had given them food. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Naomi is releasing her daughters-in-law from any sort of duty or obligation that they might have to her. She says, hey, I know you married my sons, but they are they are gone, and, and it is not your burden to come back with me. It's not your struggle to bear. In verse 10, they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. Yeah. The judge in, in verse 1. So in the days... When the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. It's nonspecific, but it will be a part of the, the scenario in the book of Judges. So as we finished the book of Judges and we saw week or verse after verse, the people of Israel disobeyed God and then there was punishment from God, the famine would have been part of that time where God did not give them everything they needed. So they fled the land. He doesn't tell us who the judge is or which one is, but that it's in the time period of the judges before Israel had a king. And this is key because it tells us in the very beginning what's going on and then shows us at the very end that the king is coming. And it's a very encouraging thing. Awesome question. Thank you. Yes. 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 What verse was I on? Do it again, though. Um, Verse 10, and they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, Even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you wait, therefore, till they're fully grown? Would you, therefore, refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, to me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. They lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So Orpah releases herself and goes back to her mom and dad, goes back to her people and to her gods, but Ruth clings to Naomi. What Naomi is describing here is actually a a very complicated situation in the Israelite Old Testament law. Basically, if you get married and your husband dies... The property can pass down, can keep going through his family name as long as someone else takes his position. And Naomi's saying, you're not going to wait 20 years for another guy that that I have, another baby that's born, and and I'm never going to have that situation. It's hopeless. There's no way we can go back to Israel and claim what's ours to the next generation. And so... Orpa leaves, but Naomi, verse fifteen, says, "Hey, see, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law." Now, this next verse, if if you've ever heard it in a in a wedding, you'll you'll notice in a second why it's awkward for a wedding. And if it was in your wedding. We can talk about that afterwards. Verse 16, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more if anything but death parts me from you. Now, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing that a husband and wife could say to one another. It's a beautiful thing to to commit to one another just like that, but it's an awkward thing to include in a wedding because it's not a husband saying it to a wife or a wife saying it to a husband. It's a daughter-in-law saying it to a mother-in-law. So, you know, if you're thinking about using that in your wedding, maybe reconsider And and verse 18, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on their way until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. It's a small town, maybe a couple of thousand people. And they remember when Elimelech and Naomi and Malon and Chilion left the city. They remember that four went away, but now only two are returning. And who is that girl? The whole city is stirred, and the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Even here, the words of Naomi are transparent. They're authentic. They are real. They are saying they are saying, "Hey, I am struggling with what God is doing and allowing to happen in my life right now. I am broken. Don't call me anything but yeah Mara is a Hebrew word which means bitter so if if you were to taste something uh, and and spit it out because it it was not flavorful, you might spit it out and say." Mara. So she's saying, essentially, God has spit me out of my mouth. And I appreciate the two guys setting up softballs for me to just hit. If, if we have a, a, another question that I can't answer, I will do the research and I will come back. So thank you. So verse 22, Naomi returned, Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her who returned from the country of Moab and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So we see there is a significant thing in this family that they have taught each other the love of Jesus and there is nothing except faithfulness that drives Ruth to be with Naomi. The loyalty that Ruth has for Naomi comes from the faith that this family taught. That Elimelech and Naomi, Malon and Chilion, even in the midst of all of this tragedy, still had faith. And even though Naomi is bitter and broken, she still has Ruth in faith clinging to her. Chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was in the clan of Elimelech. Now, reaping and gleaning is specifically in God's law. God establishes a section of his law so that if you are wealthy, if you have a field, if you are having a harvest, that you are not to take every single scrap from the field, but you are to leave behind a portion for people who cannot provide for themselves. So it's built into God's law that if you don't have enough for yourself, that you can go into your neighbor's field and you can take from them that which God has provided. It is, in God's law, governmental assistance. It would be as if in 2019, Naomi and Ruth were on food stamps, could not provide for themselves, were relying on other people. In verse four, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they were Lutheran. So they answered, the Lord bless you. Sorry, that, that part wasn't in there. Verse 5, Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back from with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came. And she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Everyone in Bethlehem knew the business of Naomi and Ruth. And and Boaz, as he's asking this question, knows her by reputation, has heard of her and what she's done, doesn't ask a follow-up question, but goes immediately to her. Verse eight, then Boaz said to Ruth, But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Everything you've done, people are talking about. Your faithfulness and your loyalty and your love is on display for all to see. And then something amazing happens in the the very next verse. He says, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, a, a recurring thing, a thing that happens over and over again in the book of Ruth is that when somebody prays a blessing over someone else, God uses the person who prays to provide the blessing. Two chapters later, we are going to see how God answers Boaz's prayer through Boaz's actions. Verse 13, then Ruth said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. Don't just give her the leftovers, give her everything that's good. It's as if he was going into the newly packaged things and collecting all that he possibly could to give to her. Not just giving her the the leftovers, but giving her the true luxuries. Do not stop her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. And so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it filled an entire basket And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. Ruth also brought out and gave Naomi what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said, where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Again, Naomi speaking a blessing which she will later have a hand in fulfilling. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her, daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women lest you be assaulted in another field. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Naomi, even now, is seeing how this man could be a continuation of the family legacy and lineage. That this man could could be the redeemer, the one to restore what's lost, what's broken. And they start to make a plan. In chapter 3, verse 1, then Naomi said to her mother, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? I will do. Now, this is not code here in the Bible. I know a lot of times the Bible uses family friendly words uh that that aren't offensive unless you're in Song of Songs then it's just like no holds barred. But but this is not some sort of suggested promiscuous extra activity. Naomi just says, "Hey, um Go notice where he lays down and uncover his feet because you've slept before at night and gotten cold and then woken up, of course. So that's what's going to happen. And when he wakes up, do exactly what he tells you to do. Okay, so verse six, she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law commanded. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of a heap of grain. Then Ruth came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And Boaz said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now my fellow daughter, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all for you that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. He's confirming that there were no shenanigans. <laughs> He's confirming, hey, everybody knows your character. Everybody knows your heart. Everybody knows your reputation and how you act and how you sacrifice everything for the sake of your mother-in-law. We're going to figure out how to do this. We're going to do it the right way. Now it is true, verse 12, that I am a redeemer. But there is a redeemer closer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. And so even here, the blessing that Boaz speaks, he will take part in God's plan for fulfillment. Question. They're not married yet. That's a great question though. We'll talk about that in a minute. Good reading ahead. Spoiler they get married. <laughs> They're like, man. Verse 14, so she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize the other. And he said, let it, not be, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, Naomi said, How did you fare? How did it go? Then Ruth told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And you know this to be true if you are a guy who has ever pursued a lady. Like, you see a window of opportunity and you are barreling the wall over to make it happen. This is is it. This is my chance. This is my window. I've got to go. And this is exactly what Boaz does in chapter 4. And and in chapter 4, we see the plan laid out we see the plan enacted. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate, the gate of the city, and sat down there. And behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the city, elders, and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then Boaz said to the redeemer, Naomi and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And you see, the blessing that God gives to his people is perpetuated through the land, that there's always a place prepared for his people. This promise is true even for you and me today, that God in Jesus has gone ahead of you to heaven to prepare a place for you. It's promised to you. It is your inheritance. And here... Boaz says to the man, redeem it. And he he says, I will. And all of a sudden, all that Boaz and Ruth had done, all that Naomi had planned, is struggled and gone. But Boaz says, wait. The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth." the Moabite, the widow of the dead in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. You're taking on her family line and her family name. All that you have and do become hers. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself for I cannot redeem it. He says, I have too much to lose. There's too much at stake. If if I do what you're asking, I would lose it all. And Boaz was was willing to to sacrifice all, to give it all. Verse 7, now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal Also Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of Malan, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his among his brothers from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Boaz sacrifices his own lineage, his own legacy, and he gives up everything that identifies himself. And he says, I'm gonna take on your name and your people. I'm about what God is going to do, not what I want. that they speak isn't just in the family line. This blessing that they speak echoes and affects all of Israel because King David will be born to this family. And it echoes through all eternity because not just King David, but King Jesus will hail from this family whose blood will set you and me free from sin and death and the power of the devil, whose redeeming qualities will be that he steps in and does what no one else can do. So verse 13, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. It closes with a genealogy. Because God wants us to know that families matter. That lineage matters. That legacy matters. That the passing on of faithfulness from one generation to the next matters. And God will provide. From the beginning to the end, the story of Ruth revolves around God acting in and through his people. That when we pray, God hears our prayers and he answers them. And he invites you and me to step in and be part of the answer. To sacrifice like Naomi and Ruth and Boaz sacrifice who, who thought not of their own interests first, but the interests of others. And God blesses this family and all families greater than they could have ever asked or imagined. That through Jesus, God has taken the work of ordinary people and done extraordinary things. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all of the ways that you have worked through Boaz and Ruth and Naomi that you've brought forth Jesus to be for us the ultimate work of salvation and you've invited us to share that salvation with our family and our friends and everyone we meet. Help that we would see the works you've prepared for us and enable us to walk in them. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.